Welcome to this week's episode of the NACF Podcast. This week we're featuring co-pastor Sharonda Manor Foster. If I stop it, what are you going to do? He said, get my people out. Get my people out. We don't want him to stop this, to hold this and be like, well, it sure is peaceful around here now. Heavy 
doing in them, not in the name of Jesus, those that are in a fight, God, they didn't believe they have to fight now, but their whole life seems like a fight, God, I just thank you that you are the God who fights for us, in the name of Jesus, would you go before them and make every crooked place straight, would you go before them and face down the enemies, oh God, that are up against them, in the holy name of Jesus, we say thank you on this morning, God, that you are indeed Jehovah Shalom, that you are our peace, in the holy name
There are some people that need to be set free on this afternoon that have been uh, caught up in wrestling for a mighty long time. God said a mighty long time that you have been in this turmoil, in this fight, and not knowing which way to go. Uh, but we're going to tend to that. We're we going to get to that before I get done. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and read where we are. You can remain seated um, because we do have quite a bit of reading uh, on this afternoon. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, I am Pastor Sharonda Manor Foster. Thank you for being here. Thank you to our friends. I see you from Central Campus. I'm glad that you're in the house. Thank you for being This, this is the sister house. Y'all come over to the sister house sometime. Thank you for being here on this afternoon. And so do give reverence to the reading of the word, but I am going to read it um, into your hearing on this morning. It is coming from 2 Peter 3. 3 through 15. And so I'll read. Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming? He promised. Ever since our ancestors died, Everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also the world at that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will be like a thief. The heavens will disappear and roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to be. You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. The Amplified says and, and eagerly await its coming. That day will bring about destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. That is the reading of the word. I want you to write that down because there's so much in there. Go back and read it. But I want to start right here. 
after only nine generations from the creation of mankind, God is fed up with man. After only nine generations from the creation of Adam and Eve, God is fed up with man's behavior. He said that man's every inclination, all of his thoughts, the human heart was only evil all the time. God regretted making humans. He was upset that he even put us on this earth. Because he was so upset, God had Noah to build an ark. You remember Noah? He asked Noah to do that because he was tired of man. He was fed up with his wicked behavior. He was fed up with his thoughts that were evil all the time. And so he had Noah build an ark, put Noah's family in the ark, told Noah to take some of the animals, one of every kind, and some of them seven of every kind, and put them in the ark with him. For 150 days, the earth was covered with water. After that, it said that God remembered Noah. He let the waters rescind. And he allowed Noah, his family, and all of those animals to come out of the ark. Everything else on the land was destroyed. All of the people and all of the animals and all of the birds. When I read this, I understood that the only thing that was left after he destroyed it was Noah, his family, and everything that was in the sea. But everything else that was on land was destroyed because God was fed up with man's evil thoughts. And then God said this to Noah after he brought them out of the ark. He said, I establish my covenant with you. Never again will all life be destroyed by the waters of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. If God was that fed up after only nine generations of people since creation, what is God saying now? How does he feel all of these generations later? The, the, the scholars have a different number for how many generations we are from Adam now. But if he was fed up at nine generations, I don't know what he's thinking about us now. I don't know what he thinks when he looks out of heaven now and he sees what we have made it. He sees what man is doing. He sees what the earth looks like. He does see the wars. He does see the killings. He does see how perverse we are. He does see what we have turned marriage and family into. He sees all of it. I don't know what he thinks all of these generations later when he looks out at us. But he promised, and he made a covenant that he would not destroy the earth by water. And we are grateful for that. 
Thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, who by the grace of God, Jesus has come to save us. For those who have Jesus, we don't have to wonder what God sees when he looks out after all of these generations. He sees his son because we are in his son. He sees him because it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. For those who have received Christ. But what about those who haven't? What about those who don't know him? What about them? He made a covenant with Noah not to destroy the earth again by water. But the earth will be destroyed again by fire this time. He's going to keep his promise. He is going to keep his covenant that the waters will never cover it again. He left us a covenant and a promise. That's when we see a rainbow in, in the sky. That is God's covenant that I will not destroy this earth by water. And so y'all can say that the rainbow means any other thing. But I'm going to wear my rainbows. I'm going to wear my rainbow shirt and tennis shoes. Because to me, it is a sign of God's covenant. I'm not giving it away to any other voice or any other people. But he did say that the earth would be destroyed by fire. There are many scriptures in the Bible that proclaim that and that say that. But right here in our text on this afternoon in 2 Peter, it says, by the same word that caused the waters to flood the earth, by the same word the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the judgment and destruction of the ungodly. That day will bring about destructions of, of, of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. And so I ask you again, what about them? What about them that don't know him? What about them? Our theme for the past couple of months is evangelism. Evangelism in its simplest form is to tell somebody, anybody, everybody about Jesus. Evangelism is to tell somebody that Jesus died for them. Evangelism is to go somewhere and tell them that God said live with me now and live with me later. That's evangelism. Tell them that we have the remedy and the cure for their sin. We ought to tell somebody. Our evangelism is to tell somebody about God. Tell them about Jesus. That's in a simple form what evangelism is. I don't want us to get lost in the word. It simply means tell somebody about Jesus. We asked a few years ago. I told y'all we were some praying people over here. We asked a few years ago as we were praying for God to stop the terror and the horror that we see in this earth. We ask God for mercy. 
There had been another mass shooting at a school. Uh, the natural elements were killing people. Earthquake, hurricane, tornado, tsunami. We was asking God, God, please have mercy. We was asking him, God, would you stop these horrors and would you uh, stop these terrors? And then we understand that the Bible says, but these things will come. These things are going to happen. War is going to come. Men will be lovers of themselves. All of this stuff is going to happen. Man is evil. They're going to get worse. All of this stuff is going to happen. And so what are you asking me to do? Because this is going to go on. But I said, but what do we do, those of us who are praying? Are we supposed to just stop and let it happen? What are we to do? So God, you told us to pray at all times on all occasions. And so we're praying that this horror, this terror, this destruction, we're praying for it to stop. And then God said, if I stop it, if I stop it, if I hold back, and I could see a big hand, y'all. Uh, if I hold back all of this destruction and calamity and horror and terror, if I hold it, what are you going to do? If I stop it, what are you going to do? He said, get my people out. Get my people out. We don't want him to stop this, to hold this and be like, well, it sure is peaceful around here now. There's no shootings. There's no natural disasters. And we just go on with our lives living and never turn to him. That's not what he wants. He said, get my people out. I want us to hear what the scripture says. I told you, I want you to go back and read um, what it says. But God's patience, his patience. Uh, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you. Not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. I want us to understand and say, bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. He's only being patient with us. Only not causing this destruction to utterly take us over. Because his patience means salvation. His waiting means he's given us more time to get people out. His patience means salvation to somebody who does not know him. And so I don't want us to pray, God, please hold this and stop this and then we do nothing. The waiting, my God, the waiting only means that I'm giving you time for salvation. I'm giving you time to get somebody out because this place is going to burn down. And so how are you going to? Get them out. This place is a burning building. I don't want you to think, well, oh, that's going to happen, Pastor Sharonda, at the end of time.
time and we won't even be here when this earth is destroyed. You guys sound like the scoffers where they said, when is this coming supposed to happen? He's been coming for how many years? When is it? I'm not even going to be here. So why can't I just keep living my life? Because not only is this earth going to end in fire, but if you don't know him, if you leave here tomorrow, then you too still will end in fire. My God, there's still going to be a fire. Whether it's now or whether it's later, if you don't know him, we believe that there is a heaven and a hell. We believe that. And so if you don't know him, you're making a decision of where you're going to spend eternity and that could start tomorrow. That could start later on this afternoon. We don't know. We are not the scoffers that say, well, well when is this coming? We don't know how much time we got left, so we got to live like the clock is about to run out because we do not know. And so I looked up since this place is burning, it's a burning building, y'all. And we have to get the people out. We, as members of God's kingdom, we, as his people, we have to get the people out of this burning building. I had my friend to make me a, a burning building. He got some windows on there, some people. These are people all up in these windows. He got the black billowing smoke. Y'all know the black smoke means that the building is still on fire. It only turns white once the fire is being put out. But the building is still burning. And so we're in evangelism, y'all. We have to get these people out of this building. We have to get them out. And so I looked up. What it says when you have to rescue somebody from a burning building? What is it that you ought to do? What is it that we can do? We call it evangelism. But I'm going to tell you, if you ever come across somebody in a burning building, and I want you to understand that I'm talking about spiritually, I'm talking about in this life, what you ought to do. The first thing that you ought to do is call 911. You just came across the burning building or a person whose life that is in trouble. You ought to call 911. What does that mean? That means you have to declare that it is an emergency. Don't walk across somebody's life and act like you don't understand that they're burning down. Don't act like you don't understand that they are going to burn up. You have to call 911. Call it in your spirit. Call it out to God. Say this is an emergency and you have to my heart and you have to make it that. Don't be those who scoffed and said, well, where is this coming? Don't be those who act like you have time. And you, you those that said, everything is just going to keep on happening the same way it has since the beginning of creation. Not so. People are dying every day. And they're dying without Christ. And they're dying without Christ. And so we understand that if you don't know him, if you refuse him, there's one or two places that you are going to be. It is our belief. We are the believers. And we believe that we have to get them out. It is a matter of life or death because they are going to live somewhere for eternity. And we don't want them to live in hell. The scripture says, dear friend, 
I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you even as your soul is getting along well. I don't want us to wait and think we can live any way we want to down here and then think that we're going to inherit the kingdom. He said, right now I want you to live for me. Right now I want you to live better. We're not waiting only for eternity. I love what Pastor Parsons said that her dad said. He said, I want my pound on the ground. Yeah, yeah. He's not waiting just to get, uh, <clears throat> to get up there. He wants it here and he wants it now. And so when we see somebody and we know that they do not have Christ, we know that they are not living how they should, we have declared it an emergency. We have to move quick. We have to get to them, treat it as an emergency. And don't be slowful. The second thing is, if you're going to pull somebody out of a burning building, stay close to the ground and meet them where they are. Stay close to the ground. Don't come up on nobody and you know that their lifestyle is shaky. You know that they're in trouble, but you're going to come at them from up here and what they ought to do and what they're doing wrong and how wrong their life is. So you need to meet them where they are. Get yourself on the ground because you was down there too. Don't get up too high. You get high up in the smoke, high up in your pride, high up in your haughtiness. When you're in the fire, that's where the smoke is. You're going to get caught up in your own poison. My God, smoke is poisonous. If you think that you're going to live up here, but you have to stay on the ground, keep your feet on the ground, stay low and humble. Don't come off on nobody in their face like you know it all. The only thing that you ought to be doing is telling them about Christ. And so stay low. Meet them where they are. Don't come in your righteousness. Don't come in your I'm better than you because it was you, but you stay on the ground. And then another thing is as you get down on the ground, as you're trying to get to somebody to pull them out of a burning building, firefighters, when they go in and they, they don't know who's in the place, like, I, I don't know if it's somebody in this building or not, they say, holler out if you're in here. Holler out if you're in here. When we go for evangelism, those people are not going to holler out at us. Over here, Pastor Sharonda, I need to be saved. They're not going to do that because they're lost in their life. Most of them don't even realize what they need. But you ought to be hollering out at the Holy Spirit for the Holy Spirit to tell you who is up in here. Every time you walk in a space, you ought to be telling the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, holler out. Holler out and show me who's up in here. Holler out and show me who I need to talk to. You stay low on the ground and you tell the Spirit of God, holler out so he can tell you who to talk, where to plant this seed, where am I supposed to water, who am I supposed to get out. Holler out a hot my soul. Holler out up in here. If we get that in every room, every space, at our jobs, in our families, at the store, wherever we are, tell the Holy Spirit, holler out. Holler out so I can see who's in here. Show me who I am supposed to go to. Y'all, we have partners on this mission. We are not by ourselves when we go into these burning buildings. Your partner is the Holy Spirit. He has intel. He has the building plans. He knows where the exits are. He knows where the doors are. He knows how you're supposed to get into that person. And so when you go in, stay low. Don't go in there and think, I got it all together. 
but take the Holy Spirit with you. Tell the Holy Spirit to holler out so that you can know who is in that room. And then the next thing that you do is touch the doors carefully. Be sensitive. One thing that they do when they enter a building that is on fire and the doors are closed, and most of the doors will be closed to us of these people's lives. It's not gonna be easy for you to get in. Those doors are closed. But when you're going to rescue somebody, it says, touch the doors carefully. And what they do, you know, of course, if you're a rescuer or a fireman, then you have the proper equipment. But if you're walking past this building and it's on fire, you don't have no equipment. And so you have to go in with what you have. We have to go in with what we have. Stop saying, well, I don't have what he having, and I don't have the skills like they have it. And go in with what you have. But touch those doors carefully. And so what they do, instead of just grabbing onto a doorknob, because we don't know where the fire is already, is that you're supposed to touch the doorknobs with the back of your hand as you go in there. Why? Because the palm of your hand is a lot more sensitive than the back of your hand. Don't go in being too sensitive. We make evangelism all about us because we sensitive. What if they don't re- what if they don't receive me? What if they got questions for me? What if they reject me? What if they don't want to know God? And so we stop telling people about Jesus because we in our feelings. Because we went in with our sensitive parts exposed instead of touching with the unsensitive parts, knowing that this is not about you. This is about him. This is about Jesus. And so just go. I'm in here to rescue you. I'm not being sensitive. I'm not going to get scared and run back out of the fire. I'm going to touch you with the parts that I know that I can withstand. I'm not going to go in there with my I knew they weren't going to like me anyway. It's not about you. Get those people out of the fire. What would you do if you passed by this building and there's a child crying out of one of those windows? I ain't gonna go in there because that kid gonna be tripping, trying to fight me. I don't know if I wanna go in there. And look at the mama, she in the window up above screaming, somebody come get her child. Now they gonna be tripping, I ain't going in there. No, you're going to go in there and you're going to do all that you can to get them out of there. So don't go in there sensitive talking about what a mama cussed me out. She might. She's scared. She been through a lot. Her baby's in danger. You don't know what she been in life. Don't go in there sensitive. Just touch her with the back. Come on, mama. Come on. Just, just come on. And then you give her Jesus. That's all you do. Don't try to solve every problem she ever had in life. Don't try to tell her, you know what, you need to stop cussing. That's not what you're there for. That's not what you're there for. Just give her Jesus. Just give her Jesus. Now you want to tell her about every relationship that she had and she need to let that man go. Just give her Jesus. That's all you are to do. And so don't go in there too sensitive. The other thing that you have to do, if you're gonna pull somebody out of a burning building, you have to move quickly. Time is running out. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. 
So we can't say, well, we don't know how much longer the Lord is going to be. These days ain't nothing to him. When he gets ready to return, he coming. And so we have to move quickly. We assume we have time. We assume we're going to come across that person again. We assume that they'll see us. We assume that somebody else going to get them. Oh, I, I didn't get them. I kind of felt maybe I could have said something, but I, I was being sensitive and I didn't open myself up to them and I was being uh, embarrassed and I didn't want to stand in front of other people. Um, and so I assumed that I would have another opportunity to tell them about Jesus. I assumed that it was somebody else's job. Isn't it the people that go to church all the time? Isn't it their job to tell somebody about Jesus? Isn't it the pastor's job? Don't they got a team at the church? That those are the people who are supposed to tell them about Jesus. We don't take it on ourselves. You believe him, don't you? You believe in him, don't you? Then why is it someone else's responsibility? To get people out wherever you come across them. Move quickly. Time is running out. Wherever you encounter them, whether it be in your house, in your family, with your children, move quickly and get them out of this fire. It's for us too. And then you have to use extreme caution. These are God's people. Use caution. Treat them well. Go back again. Check again. Another thing that they said about the doors is once you open a door, don't close it. If you're in a, in a burning building, you check this door, it's okay. You open it, don't close it. Leave it open so you can go back through it if you have to. For us, treat people, God's people well. So that if you encounter them, if you open a door, yes. then you can go back to that door. Yes. Treat them so well that even if it was just a brief encounter, when they see you again, that's what they remember. Yes. Your kindness, your gentleness, your joy, your respect for them. Leave the door open. Because every encounter, they won't, maybe they won't accept them on the first time. Maybe you got to wrestle with somebody to get them out of that burning building. Maybe they're scared to come out. Maybe they don't know who they are if they come out of that building and you trying to pull them into something else. But once you open the door, once you greet them, once you say hello, once you introduce Jesus, even if they don't take them, leave the door open so that you can go back. Don't leave them and be like, well, I guess you're going to burn in hell since you won't accept Jesus this time. <laughs> Don't do that. Leave the door open. Y'all, we condemn people. We leave them in worse shape than what we met them. But we have to take care of God's people. Don't treat people like you are better than them because you have Jesus already. Oh, that's a bad reputation that we get as God's people. That we think we better than them. That was my thinking the whole time growing up. I wanted nothing to do with this. Nothing to do with church people. Because they thought they were better than me. Well, wait a minute, Sharonda. Maybe that was in your mind. Maybe they really didn't think that. No, that's what they told me. I don't want us to come off like that. That could have hindered me for the rest of my life. And I could have still been saying, I don't want nothing to do with it. 
Nothing to do with those people. So these are God's people. We have to handle them like they're God's people. We have to love them no matter where we encounter them. Take off your judgment. Take off your harsh words. Take off your haughtiness and looking down at people because they're not living how you think they should live. The only thing that you are to do is give them Jesus. You don't have to be judge and jury. You don't have to walk away with a snide remark. People close doors. I tell you all, there's a, a guy <laughs> that is in the Walmart parking lot. I haven't seen him for a while. And he's always asking for a couple of dollars. And so he greets you, hey, hey, my sister, how you doing? You know, it's a blessed day. You got a couple of dollars. And everything is fine until you tell him no. And as soon as you tell him no, yep. uh -huh. we'll start cussing you out. Yeah. <laughs> he absolutely, well, go on now. You, you act like I'm all of that. <laughs> because you said no. But at first it was, God bless you. How you doing? And hello. I don't want us to be that. And so when we approach somebody, it's, oh, I'm coming in love and I'm coming in the Lord and God bless you and, and how are you doing? But as soon as they be like, you know what, I, I, don't, I don't think I want to talk about that. Um, no, I'm good on that. Then we turn into somebody else. Then we turn mean because they don't want to receive what we're giving. We have to treat God's people well. And so we're going to declare it an emergency we're going to stay close to the ground and meet them where they are. We're going to partner with the Holy Spirit. We're going to touch the doors carefully and not be extra sensitive. We're going to move quickly because we are running out of time to get these people to God. We're going to use extreme caution because these are God's people. But first, we have to apply our own oxygen. Yeah. Before you run into that building and I'm trying to pull you out, I'm trying to get you to safety, I need to make sure that I'm all right. They tell you stay low. They tell you put a wet rag over your face before you go in there trying to get somebody out. What I need us to know on this afternoon is secure your own oxygen. Are you good? Are you well? Are you with Jesus for yourself? Are you on the verge of breaking down? Do you know if you have him for sure? You, how, how are you going to go and evangelize if you're not sure if you have him for yourself? This is for everybody in the room, all of our young adults. Uh, this is for everybody. And just because you're old, just because you're older, it does not mean that you have him. It could mean you just got older. It could mean that. But so we have to secure our own Oxygen. God, do I have you? Are you in my life? Can I talk well about you? What are you saying about him? And so I believe, and this is what God showed us when we first started, that there are some people that are in a hard place. But we're going to help you get some oxygen on today. Some of you are saying, I can't run into the burning building. 
because I am not in good shape today. My life is not good today. I don't know if I trust him today to tell somebody else about him because I'm not well today. But our job as believers is to pull these people out of this burning building. But you have to have your oxygen on. You need to be well. And I know that there are some of us that come in here and we sit and we sit. But we don't know if we have it. We're not well. And so we go back home broken. And we can't share Jesus. Because we're not pleased with Jesus. We can't share him. Because we don't have not one good thing to say about him. But before we go running into buildings, before we say, I'm telling everybody about Jesus, I want us to supply our own oxygen. I feel this for mothers who are um, maybe single or even married, but you feel like I haven't supplied my own oxygen because I'm so busy putting on everybody else's. I'm so busy taking care of everything that I don't know if my own oxygen is on. And so we are going to pray for you first, mothers, because you might be lacking some oxygen. And so we're asking us to be in a season of evangelism but we want you well enough to go out and get them. We don't want you to run up on somebody to talk about Jesus and all you end up doing is bleeding out because you're not good, because you're not in the same place. We don't want that. And so as we talk about evangelism, we want you to be well. We want you to apply oxygen. We do that through prayer. We do that through believing that God hears you, that he knows your situation. He knows your heartache. He knows your trouble. He knows where you have been fighting. And so we are going to pray for you. If you're a mother in this place, and we're going to do it carefully, then you can come to the altar, spread out. And we are going to pray for you on this afternoon. We're going to pray your strength. We are going to pray your healing. We are going to pray restoration. If you're a mother in this place and you feel like I need oxygen. The weight gets heavy. It gets difficult. It gets hard sometimes. But we're expecting you to keep carrying on, to keep trucking. Y'all can come up. We're going to pray over here at the altar. If you're a mother in this place. Intercessors, help me pray for these moms. Because we want you well. We want you well, moms. Now spread out a little bit, get a little bit of room. Yes, yes, we want you to evangelize. And if you have joined us on Facebook Live, on YouTube, we are going, we're praying for you also. We are praying for your strength. Because we need you to be able to tell somebody just how good Jesus is and what he has done for you. But if the weight is heavy, and if you feel like, I, Pastor Rod, I really can't say too much right now. 
because I'm in a place. We are praying for you. Andrea, can I have some uh, sanitizer? We are going to pray for you. We need you, Mom, to survive. Not only for evangelism to tell somebody, but we need you to survive. And so we're going to pray for you on this afternoon. Thank you for tuning in today. Hope this message really reached you. If you'd like to know more about our campuses, you can visit our central campus at newantioch.org. That's N-E-W-A-N-T-I-O-C-H dot org. Or for our Aliante campus, you can visit us at newantioch-aliante.org. That's N-E-W-A-N-T-I-O-C-H dash A-L-I-A-N-T-E. If you'd like to sow a seed into this ministry, you can do so by texting New Antioch to 77977 for Aliante Campus. Or for Central Campus, it's New Antioch Central at 77977.